Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. I want to read a passage of scripture that is taken from Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7, and this is our key verse today. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commands I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. A few years ago, in a a game park in South Africa, the Pillensburg Game Reserve, they found 20 white rhinos that, were, that had been killed. And at first they thought, well, it must have been poachers to get their rare horn and sell it on the black market. And a little investigating uh, turned out that no, they, these rhinos were still fully intact, but they had gouging wounds all over their bodies. They thought, well, that's rare. What, what animal attacks a white rhino? Like that, elf, uh, uh, lions don't do that. And so through hidden cameras, they discovered that it was actually a gang of elephants, of young juvenile elephants, the males, that were making sport of attacking these rhinos and killing them. And the, 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 the park staff had never seen anything like that before. And so they did some investigating And what they discovered is these elephants all had been imported from other parts of Africa for their own safety. But they were limited on the size of elephants, so they just uh, transported the females and the young uh, elephants, the calves, into the park without any of the fathers, the big bull elephants that would kind of help lead these, these tribes of elephants. And, and that, they just kind of discerned that that was the situation. These young juvenile elephants had just gone rogue and, and didn't have any kind of leadership. They were fatherless uh, elephants. And so they began to figure out how can we import the larger elephants that are over 16,000 pounds, and they figured out how to do that. And sure enough, they quickly began to see a change in the attitude of those young uh, juvenile elephants where they started to fall in line and started to mind their manners and and kind of get along with the other uh, animals in this park. And uh, a little bit further research kind of confirmed that uh, because they, they noticed that on the backside of these juvenile elephants were tusk marks from the bulls. I say, no, that's not the right behavior. Stop that. Here's how you do it. And what I would propose in our country is somewhat similar, that we have a crisis on our hands as well. And that is with absent fatherhood that is affecting our culture in a very negative way. In fact, I would... I would label this as a fatherless crisis in our country, that it is impacting how families, uh, how they, they flow and how things 
happen in our culture. In fact, let me just read for you a few stats to, to help confirm this concern. In 2021, so this is the most recent U.S. Census Bureau stat, there are 18.4 million children, one in four, without a biological step or adoptive father in the home. So one in four are being raised without any presence of a male figure whatsoever in that home. Uh, according to the National Fatherhood Initiative, you can go online, they have a lot of great information. But this is how this affects the children. Children raised in a father-absent home are four times greater risk of poverty, two times greater risk of infant mortality. They face seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teenager, two times more likely to suffer obesity, and two times more likely to drop out of school. Now let me just give a little, uh, just a little encouragement to those that are single parents, single moms, and this does not in any way, shape, or form discount what you're doing because you're doing an amazing job. And I, I just, I, I look at single moms that have raised their kids or are raising their kids, and I just think, wow, that has to be one of the most difficult journeys any person could ever undertake. And I've watched you, I've watched several through the years of ministry in church, and you have done an amazing job. And those that have taken the time to get their kids plugged into a church, that makes all the difference in the world from these stats. So don't, don't let these statistics that I just read dis discourage you in any way, shape, or form. Keep engaged, keep in the church. And I've seen where the church surrounds these children and has done a wonderful job of just loving these, these students and helping them to develop in their life. So there's so there's hope in that, but I began to notice uh, several years ago that fatherless factor in a home. We, we were pastoring in Homedale, Idaho, just a little farm community, and outside of Homedale uh, by, uh, Marcy, Marcy, uh, by Marcy, there's a job corps. It's been a long time since I've been in Idaho. So uh, there's a job corps facility, which is a government program that takes young uh, people that are uh, going through some difficulties in life and, and helps them to find vocation, and it's, a, it's really a good program. On this particular Job Corps campus, it was just for the young men. And so we began to do, we fixed up an old school bus and began to go out to the Job Corps site and every Sunday morning and loaded up, and the, and the young men were happy to get off campus. You know, we had to go through all the paperwork to do this, and Job Corps was very appreciative that we would do this as a church and bring them to church. And then uh, in the afternoon, uh, we took turns as families feeding them uh, lunch together so they'd fill up the house. We'd have sometimes 12, 15 young men that we were busing in. And, and then they, we had church Sunday night. That was back, I remember, many remember Sunday night, you know, it was an all-day commitment to, uh, to church on Sundays, and then we'd take them back after church to the facility. But I began to notice that there was a lot of anger 
and a lot of these young men. In fact, we had, on occasion, had to break up fights and kind of pull them off of each other, and some of them were fighting the local kids. And so it was, we had our hands full. And, but over time, we began to see a change happening in their lives. And when they would first come in, the first thing I noticed, their first couple Sundays, they would sleep during the gathering. To them, it was like a great place to take a nap. Uh, but eventually, they began to become engaged and, and started to fill the altars, and God began to do work. And as I got to know these young men hanging out Sunday afternoon at our house, they uh, began to share their stories. Every one of them, without any exception that I ever saw, came from a home where there was a, a, a lack of a father. And they, they just didn't know how to handle some of their emotions. And I did some research and found out that, you know, there's a lot of things a mother instills in a child, empathy and compassion and mercy and those things. But for a young man, they have a hard time processing anger if they haven't had a, a model, a role model, as a male figure in their home that's kind of showed them this is how you work through anger. You don't explode. You don't you know, let it turn into rage. And, and so there was a lot of issues that we had to help with these young men, kind of how do you handle these things? How do you handle these emotions? And we tried to model that as a church, uh, the men in the church, to model that with these young men. If you did even just a, a quick Google search, you'd see that uh, most of the situations in the school shooters is in a fatherless, a father-absent home, or a, a, a bad role model as the father in that home. So how do we change this? So I, I always get a little discouraged when I hear somebody just kind of rail on culture, and here's, here's how bad our culture is, and... They just go after it, you know, just, okay, well, go have a nice day, you know, and there's never seems to be any uh, turning of the corner saying, well, how do we fix this? And that, so this is the important part here this morning. Uh, if those stats kind of discourage you, well, this is what we can do about it. And I believe it has to be a change of culture at the grassroots level. I don't believe that it can be some mandate passed from a political leader. Okay, here, henceforth, we declare, you know, I mean, we have Father's Day, and, and that comes and goes. And, and so, so it has to be something that is changing hearts at ground level. And, and I believe it's one life being changed at a time by the gospel. Uh, it's very important for us to understand the gospel is the power that changes lives. And we can, sometimes we can gravitate towards social justice issues, and, and those things are good. We will do that, and we will, we will promote those things, but it is the gospel. Can I hear an amen in that? Okay. All right, it's beginning to get nervous. <laughs> wonder if I was in the right setting. It is the gospel that changes lives. And so uh, we, uh, you know, th that I just mentioned a minute ago, we are all about becoming and making disciples of Jesus as we gather, grow, and go. 
And that is that mission of saying, let's go and make disciples. And this passage that we see here in Deuteronomy is a perfect uh, picture of what it means to see somebody discipled, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your strength and all your soul, and then to take these things and let them dwell on your heart, to live it out, to be transformed. We are being changed. We should be being changed, right? And, and more and more like Jesus, we are being transformed, and that changes a person uh, so that they have true compassion, so that they can let the light of Jesus shine through them, so that we can become good fathers, so that we can make a difference in our neighborhood and in our city and in our nation. And so it starts, I believe, as each one of us are discipled uh, by the Lord and walk in, in obedience to him and let these truths, the truth of the word, uh, change our hearts. And, and people will be drawn to that. They will see that there's something different in the church and there should be something different in us. That the world says, what is it about you as Christians? It seems like you care for others and you, you have this strong family and, and people should admire us in how we conduct ourselves and our culture. And so I just want to encourage the dads today to realize you have a much more powerful influence than you realize. Or the grandparents or great-grandparents you influence by your life. People watch you, and you have an impact on people around you. And dads, you influence your kids, even if they're grown, out of the house, making their own decisions. You still have a powerful influence on your kids. And, and so I, I just want that to sink in for a minute. And, and help you to realize how incredibly powerful that is. And never discount that. And so from this passage, I want to just pull out what I see are a couple of ingredients of influence. We are influencers for Jesus. We influence our world. And I see some real clear ingredients mentioned in this. First of all, it uh, comes through relationship that you need to build relationship with your kids, with your family, your grandkids. A few years ago, there was a survey of, of elementary children, and they asked, what are the top 10 qualities that you love the most about your dad? And this is what they answered. They compiled all these answers. The number one answer was, he takes time for me. Number two, he listens to me. He plays with me. He invites me to go places with him. He lets me help him. So five of the top 10 were all about proximity, relationship, time with them, spending time together. Uh, number six, he treats mom well. He lets me say what I would think. He's nice to my friends. He only punishes me when I deserve it. He isn't afraid to admit when he's wrong. So those are all good qualities, but it, notice how much uh, relationship is the key. That's what kids 
are looking for, and they want a dad that's there for them in that situation, in every situation in life. Years ago, there was a historian by the name of Brooks Adams, and his father was the ambassador to Great Britain during the Lincoln administration. And Brooks Adams, uh, in his writings and his lecturing, he would refer to what he called one of the best days of his life. And it was the day that his father took him fishing. And he didn't remember too many of the details about the fishing, whether they caught anything. That didn't matter. What he said is, we spent a lot of time together and got to talk together. And so he would talk about this day as a life-changing day for him. Well, somebody thought, well, let's look back in Ambassador Adam's journals, his father, and he kept a diary, and somebody began to do some research, and they found that day that, that Brooks had referred to often, and the father had written in his journal, he said, I went fishing with my son today, the day was wasted. <laughs> yeah. So for the father, he thought it was just a wasted day, and didn't really have an impact, but for the son, it was life-changing. And that's that power of just being there for your kids. You know, we've just, we were finishing up the Immerse series, and one of the side things that we saw as we went through 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, was the tragic situations of some of these leaders. And you know, there was a string of kings that were really bad, and then there were some that were really, really bad. But what got to me the most was when it was talking about those priests that, for Eli was the priest, when Samuel was, you know, remember the little boy, and, and Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they turned out to be terrible, terrible sons. And you, you read that and you think, this is the priest. This is the man of God for the hour, for the nation, and yet his sons turned out to be a, a, just a disaster. And then you read Samuel. You think, okay, Samuel's going to set the example, and somehow his sons also turned out to, to be dishonest and, and kind of uh, using the, the priesthood for their own advantage and then you read about David, the man after God's own heart, and you think, okay, David's going to have all these wonderful kids that will just be fantastic in life, and then you read the, the results and the dysfunction in David's home and then Absalom's rebellion and on and on, and you just think, wow, they somehow... They missed that opportunity to hand their faith onto their children and make that impact. And we've seen that sometimes in culture. You know, there are some dads that are there, but not really. And, you know, they kind of rule the house with a, you know, a sword and they uh, set down the, the rules, but they somehow missed that opportunity to what? Build relationship. I remember Josh McDowell several years ago, he gave this, this uh, formula, he said, rules without relationship lead to rebellion. And that is so true. And so dads need to be aware of those 
times when we build relationship. Our text says, impress these truths on your children. You can't impress these things upon another life in a quick manner. You know, just kind of, boom, I'm gone, I'm here, and, you know, good luck in your life. You have to impress them by spending time together. And so I encourage you dads in this journey. I was blessed with a great dad. I, uh, dad is 92, and he's still doing well. In fact, I think he went fishing yesterday <laughs> up in my uh, brother's cabin. And he had uh, 92. Last month, he had a hip, full hip replacement. And he's doing great. He's, he's getting around. He's going to be 93 next month. And he's just healthy. And, and so I was blessed with this great role model. And he wasn't, you know, of course, he wasn't perfect. No dad is. But, but he was there for us. And I remember, you know, as a young boy, uh, we used to have these, this backyard thing going all the time. We didn't sit around it and watch TV in the summer. It was, we were, had all the neighborhood over to our house and just enjoyed the evening. I remember he would patiently teach me how to play chess. And after everybody left, he would, he would, the guys would all try to beat my dad, and he was really actually pretty good. And, and so he taught me as a young boy this is how you play it. And he took no mercy. He, I remember the day I finally beat him. And I kind of felt a little bad about it, but I finally did beat him fair and square. But he, you know, he would be there for us. He took us hunting. I, I remember as a little kid that you know, I think he carried me around sometimes. I was, I was so small. But from an early age, all kinds of hunting, outdoors, fishing, uh, you know, all kinds of camping. He was there for my sporting events. I mean, I could look over and he'd be cheering me on. And that meant so much to me. You know, if I, I was a pitcher in Little League and if I struck somebody out, I'd always look over at Dad to see, you know, kind of see his smile. And um, those, were, those were great memories. And so, you know, just, just being there, I encourage you, dads, don't ever discount. Every moment you spend with those kids is just so special. I know that life is difficult and we're trying to balance career, and a lot of times your career is taken off same time you're having little ones. And, and, but make it work. You'll figure it out. Just uh, You'll be exhausted, I guarantee, but you're gonna, it's, it's well worth every second of investment. And I encourage also the, dad, the grandparents, and we have great grandparents here, you have an influence, you have the ability to build those relationships. And take the time, figure out how to do that, and, and make that happen. I, we have felt like we've been kind of robbed these last few years, trying to you know, be careful with COVID, and we haven't been around our kids as much as we want, and boy, I'm ready to make up for lost time and, and spend as much time with my kids and grandkids as I can. The second part of influencing, so there's relationship building, and the second is just a natural outflow of that, and that's modeling. 
It happens, we model our values. You know, values are caught more than taught. And, and I would say that's very true for what was modeled for me and, and kind of catching those values. I could tell that these things were important for my dad. He was very patient. And I don't remember him ever taking me aside and saying, okay, Steve, here's, you know, the four steps for patience. And, you know, you need to read these books and study. I just watched him. And he was always patient. I mean, he taught a little boy how to play chess, so you have to be kind of patient for that, right? And he, you know, took us all kinds of fishing and hunting, and he could have taken, gone with friends, but he was patient and, and would just kind of show that just throughout his life. He was a hard worker. He had a carpet and furniture cleaning business, and if you didn't work, you don't eat. And so he worked hard his, his whole life. He, he showed me, I mean, he was always strong, and um, yeah, so you just watch him, and a lot of times, you know, as soon as he sat down, he was asleep, no matter what, but uh, even when he was driving the car a few times, but, uh, you know, he worked hard. My mom used to actually keep a spritz bottle next to him in the front seat of the car and would spray him if he, st he started to, you know, kind of do the nods. And she would just hose him down with this freezing cold water. It kept us alive, so thankful for Mob in that. But he, he was so diligent, and I'd see his uh, endurance. I mean, he would go through. I remember one time uh, we were fishing, and I had... I had really wanted to really cast out far and felt something behind me and uh, so terrible. The hook had gone into my dad's cheek. He was behind me. And this, to this day, I still always look behind me when I cast, <laughs> no matter what. And uh, it was, you know, a trouble hook. And, it, oh, it just felt terrible. And he dug it out and put dirt on it and put duct tape on it. And we just kept going, you know. <laughs> There's fish to be caught. That was kind of how we operated. And so I just watched this dad that was always so strong. And, and yet he was tenderhearted. And, you know, so, so I have that blessing of, of having this wonderful role model in my life. And you look at, look at our text once again, it's just through life. Look at verse 7. It says, to impress on, on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Just, it's just life. Just live it out and, and be that model. And the greatest model that we can be is to be transformed into the image of Christ. And so Christ is our model. So dads, follow Christ. Be like him. And let him dwell in you, because Christ is in us already, right? Christ in us, the hope of glory. He dwells in us by the Holy Spirit. And so just walk in the Spirit and stay in step. And when you hear the Holy Spirit say, you need to read the, the Word more, do that. When you need to pray more, do that. Share your faith. I mean, all the things that are essential to your spiritual health, 
do those things. Follow what the Holy Spirit's saying. He knows what's best for you. And then you follow in that model of Christ in you. And so let me just give you six things that I see are an outflow of that, and then we'll conclude here in a minute. But as we model Christ, I think that happens, first of all, as you just husbands love your wives. And, and your children are going to watch that. We used to, when we used to, uh, Laura and I would hug, where do the kids end up when they watch, the little ones, when they watch mom and dad hug? Right in the middle, right? They're just, they just grab onto your legs and, you know, they want to be there. So we'd have those group hugs all the time with the kids. And, and the kids pick up on that. And so someday when they hear the words, husbands, love your Christ, even love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, they're going to understand, oh, that's how much Christ loves the church. I saw that love in my, my father from my mother. And so, so husbands, just love your wives. Number one, that's the best thing you can do for your kids. Number two, uh, initiate joy and laughter. Work at that. Just find ways. I mean, tell dumb dad jokes, <laughs> you know, just uh, find ways to, to make things special, and we had many uh, outings and uh, trips, you know, over to, to Seaside, and all those things we did, raising our kids, and just spent time together, and uh, would tell stories around the campfire, my wife still thinks I should write those down and sell them somewhere, Maybe that's my next job. But uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, just have fun and find ways to be creative in that. Number three, be real and honest. And, and just be sincere. Just say, hey, I'm just going through some struggles. And let's pray together. I mean, that is huge if you do that with your kids. Just being vulnerable, saying, hey, Dad could use your prayers. You don't have to tell them everything, but just... Just allow them to kind of get into your world and see that you're going through some ups and downs, but you're overcoming those things. Number four, just listen. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. I mean, that's, that's always a good value no matter what in our life. But listen to your kids and, and listen to the inside stories and what's going on in their heart. Number five, pray. This is an area I, I feel like I wish I could have done better. If I could go back and be a dad all over again, I think I would find more ways to demonstrate prayer. And we would have, you know, family devotions. We'd read, uh, a lot of times we'd read a chapter out of a book each night. Uh, not, not the Bible, but we found some really good uh, Bible-based storybooks. And so we enjoyed that. And, and But... Just to let him into my world more in my prayer time. I, I think I could have done better than that, but that is so important. Just to pray. We'd pray every night before bed, and, and Melora was the champion of, of this, just praying all the time with the kids, praying for their boo-boos, praying for when they were discouraged or frustrated. And number six, just live, uh, live out God in your daily life. Just... Just let it shine. Let people see, okay, this is what it's like to be walking with God and, and 
through the journeys and ups and downs of life, that you trust him, that you're leaning on him, and that just through osmosis, we modeled that over and over. So, so I encourage you in that this morning. As we just share a couple more passages as we conclude here this morning, I'll have the worship team come on back up. Thanks for being here, worship team. I know Michael just uh, flew in, I think, yesterday to be here, just for us today. So, Pastor Michael, thank you for, for being here. And that's, yeah, good job. Come on up, team. <laughs> I should have had Steve Scavin share some bad dad jokes. <laughs> he, has, he has a lot of them. So, so my final encouragement is to pour your heart into your families. Pour yourself in. Pour yourself in. You know, Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica. He says, you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. So he uses the example of a good father. He says, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14 says, be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. That's a great Father's Day formula right there are those two verses, encouraging, comforting, urging. That's a father's role. And so I encourage you, uh, maybe some of you don't have children, but I encourage you as you, as you uh, walk through the church, look for those opportunities just to say hi to the kids that are, that are kind of filtering around the church building or the, the students Get to know them. I'm sure Pastor Tiffany would love it if some of you would say, hey, Pastor Tiffany, do you need somebody to come in and help? Even for a couple times. And just to be there. And I've watched some of you do so great with that. So I encourage you that the rewards are amazing when we do these poor lives into our kids. And then we get to watch our kids pour their lives into their kids. And it's hands down from generation to generation. And then my final encouragement would be to those who, who feel like maybe you haven't had a great father. And, and I've had people tell me, Mother's Day and Father's Day for some in the church are difficult days. And, and, and so I just want to encourage you, we do have a Heavenly Father that's here. And I know there's situations we can't go back and fix and change, but I know having a Heavenly Father that we can run to in time of need and say, Daddy, Daddy, makes all the difference in the world. And so I want to close with that encouragement and that prayer this morning. If, if that's your heart, let's just run to our Heavenly Father. Lord, right now, Lord, being a dad is... is a challenge on its best days. Lord, it, it's the greatest job we've ever, are ever handed to instill these truths to the next generation, to love these young people, these, Lord, these kids that are such a blessing from you and to pour into them. And Lord, I know for many, 
Their kids are now grown and out of the house, but Lord, we still have that influence. We still have that ability to speak truth. And it, it changes, but Lord, we still are living it out. They're still watching us. They're still needing our encouragement. In fact, I believe now more than ever before, families need to be encouraged. And there's some challenges around us, and the economy is tough, and, and people are trying to make ends meet, and, and it's a little bit concerning. And Lord, if there's ever a time when we needed to run into your grace and strength, Lord, it is now. And give us those men of God that will be strong and courageous, that will model for the church family what it means to be your disciple. Lord, I pray for Pastor Dwayne and, and his role as our leader. Lord, I pray, God, that he would have great vision and great strength and great hope in the days ahead, Lord, that he would be blessed and that he would see great harvest, God, from people around us as we reach out to this neighborhood, Lord, that we would see an impact. Lord, give us strong leaders, strong board members, deacons, trustees that will model this for us and, and model to the next generation what it means to hand down our faith. Lord, I've watched this church family pour into young men like Canyon and others, Lord, and, and I'm so proud of this church at how well they've done. And Lord, I pray we would not miss that opportunity for anyone, but find ways to make a difference, Lord. Perhaps there's some young person this church can touch that is going through turmoil, and we can change that life from destruction to a life that is life-giving. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just pray a final encouragement over our dads. Lord, just... Let them realize, Lord, that they have such a huge role, that they are so important to the structure of their family. Lord, we can get discouraged, but Lord, I just pray right now, let your word just encourage these dads to keep on going, just keep pouring their hearts into their families. Lord, that they would see the return of that in great rewards. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Amen. Let's read our benediction here. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.